Yes, thanks for your company on the Jock and Journo Show. We got another massive episode in store, and it's great to be back. I'm Jay Clark, and we're joined by, of course, the uh, five-time best and fairest winner, the five-time All-Australian three-time Anzac Day medalist, Scotty Pennery. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Refreshed from your trip to Whistler? Oh, it was outstanding. I mean, I missed you guys, but, geez, it was good to unplug. Go over there. My sister's wedding, of course, but I uh, just had a great time. Ziplined in Canada, Scotty. Some pimply-faced teen on summer break hooked me up to a steel cable and essentially pushed me off a side of a mountain, which was uh, 150 k's an hour you go on that thing. What is ziplining? Is that you just go like straight across? You wear a harness and it hooks you up to a, a metal cable and you just slide down it at great speed. Yeah, right. And uh, fast? I'm a real thrill seeker, Scotty. So you got to 150 k's an hour yeah, right. on that thing. So uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Love Whistler, love Vancouver. Just an outstanding spot. Coco, Braden Cox, how are you, mate? It's good to have your energy back. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit higher energy this yeah. week. It's good. Did you, you listen to the last podcast? I've got to bring something to the table, mate. I totally unplugged. Like I just you did, didn't you? you no, I didn't. I didn't. Really nervous about your spot. I did not <laughs> listen. Was pretty sharp. The feedback was good. Uh, he's a good man, Dicko, but I didn't listen to one second of it. But I'm sure it was very funny because he's a humorous man. He hey, is. you'd be shattered. Scotty, wouldn't you? With the, with the big news, he'd be devastated. With what, with what happened? What's happening? Well, AFLX is dead after <laughs> the two-year experiment. You were one it of its is. main supporters. No, it was I, a, only, I was in the second year. Yeah. The first round, I didn't make the cut for my own club. Right. But then I made the the um, the last cut. Which what was, was selected, who did you play so. for again? Um, the purple side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure. That t- uh, high flyers or flyers? The flyers. Fifey's team. Fifey's team. I knew Fifey was the captain. Yep. Um, <laughs> not not sure. I suited the um, the team, but uh, I was assured that I was used for a step ladder more than anything. So, yeah, a bit flat. We um we yeah. lost the granny last year, so it wasn't a great sort of six months for me. Lost the yeah. AFL granny and the AFL X granny. Oh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's disappointing for all the flyers. You know, we had, I think we were building towards 15,000 members and mm. sponsors were coming left, right and centre. So Scott, stop yeah. it because it was a rubbish Mickey Mouse horseshit concept, which never flew <laughs> anyway. No a, one cared, mate. We had Absolutely we no had one cared. a great dinner the night before the game. Yeah, I bet you did. You know, that's probably one of the highlights of the tournament. What time What time did, the, did all you boys leave? What time did you jump on the bus? Yeah, I was in bed by 9.30, 10 o'clock. Yeah, that's because you're the Flyers' grandpa. What time did the other boys leave? I, I can't tell you. I'll say 2 a.m., yeah, I think. No way. That's I'd how they got their name, the High Flyers. You don't just get in the grand final, mate. you got to prepare well, and we did. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think you are hammered. Um, <laughs> no, no one cares. Hey, yeah, are we, so we're at, the, <laughs> no we're, at the, we're at the George. Magnificent yeah. Vietnamese food, the best in Melbourne. Coco's always coming here for the fruity cocktails and everything else. And um, 162 Collins Street. Get here for row, your, your latest, you know, your, your Friday afternoon lunch, your Saturday night dinners. It's out standing in fact i wouldn't mind some prawns right now uh scotty but um we normally have a coffee here before we do the podcast just to get up and about and coco and i've got one and you said no i'm right thanks now you're a coffee connoisseur from way back don't tell me you've sacked coffee no i've been listening to some um sleep podcasts and come across one literally as you called me yep i just had finished the caffeine segment and i'm talking about how it stays in your body for six to twelve hours and sort of Six hours after having a coffee, there's probably half left in your system and 12 hours, there's probably a quarter left. So, yeah, changing it up, I usually have a few a day. So I'm going to try just have one in the morning. That's it for the day and see if my sleep improves, And yeah. which I think I sleep pretty well as it is, but yeah. um, see if there's anything in it. And 
and try and decondition the body from the caffeine yeah. consumption it has. Well, given that you're expecting a second child and sleep is going to be sort of, uh, well, not not uh, you're not getting a lot of it. Let's be honest. Yeah. In these, although sort of- I am going to mess myself up because game day I do take caffeine. Yeah. So- Tablet form. Yeah. Tablet form or espresso form? Nah, it's two uh, caffeine tablets. Yeah, yeah. just to about, get you nice and up and about. Yeah, about half an hour before the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been doing that for a long time. So, easier when you play a day game because you still tend to sleep all right that mm-hmm. night. But when you play a night game and you're having caffeine at yeah. 7.20. Yeah. What time do you normally get to sleep after a game? Friday oh, night game. Lucky if I get a few hours after a game, yeah. a night game. Yeah. So, then you're just chasing your tail all week, napping and sleeping and trying to get feeling good again. I think in my second last night in Whistler, I had about six espresso martinis and uh, at the uh, hostel. And fair to say, I was still wide awake at 3 a.m. Maybe that was oh, why, Scotty. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so. Caffeine and alcohol. Daily double. Oh, I had a great time. Hey, we've got a big episode in store. We're going to talk about Mason Cox's injury, how that changes your forward line. Adam Trelaw. Fascinating comments by GWS Chief Executive Dave Matthews a while back. Said his departure hadn't hurt the club. But I'm keen to get your view because I reckon he's hit career best form over the past two months. And he was certainly outstanding again in the weekend as you guys return to some form. I want to ask you about, uh, me, um, not Mitch McGovern, Jeremy McGovern, because he looks like the biggest roadblock for every team, uh, in the competition en route to this year's premiership. And, uh, Coco, you're going to entertain us with your normal sort of slapstick comedy. I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, let's start with the big news. And that was Mason Cox. He's out uh, for the rest of the season. Plays such an important role for you guys. Not only forward, but chops out Brody in the ruck a bit. What does it mean for the rest of your forward line, Scotty? Um, yeah, it's probably yeah. So it's probably one guy that you wouldn't expect to get poked in the eye at his size. So bit stiff. Um, bit of a freak injury. And even at halftime on the weekend when we went in and I realised Cox's name was down the bottom of the board so that usually if someone's name's there it means they're out and I said to Bucks just quickly I was like oh what's Coxie done thinking might have done a soft tissue or something he's like got an eye injury and I sort of looked at him like are you being serious and he's like mm. yeah he got an eye so yeah straight away you actually think first and foremost is he actually going to be alright because it's pretty scary you know I think he's torn a bit of his retina and um, you know even apparently today come out that he needs laser on his other eye doesn't he or something like that does he laser treatment so maybe he's been playing with poor vision as it is so um, is that why there's the been some marking when, issues um, uh, Scott or <laughs> see the, imagine if he's been seeing two balls all year so um, yeah so it's um, yeah it presents an opportunity I think for our forward line we I think we'll become less predictable with how we move the footy and you know Coxie gives us a great it's almost like a great bailout if we get caught we can just kick it straight long to Mason but everyone knows we, we do that as well so um, yeah I think it gives us an exciting opportunity to try and mix things up a little bit and um, yeah, I think defenders and team defense is going to have to be on their toes because we've got, you know, when when Geordie comes back and when Steve-O comes back, you know, you look at the forward line mix then, you've got Will Hoskin, Elliott, Brody Majek, Dugowie, Stevenson, Elliott, all guys who can play tall and small, Travi Varco, Josh Thomas, you know, Sidey played there on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I think it presents a unique opportunity for us. It's not a situation ideally we would be in, but um, a bit like last year when, we stumbled across a Ford mix due to injury and availability that we found something that worked and, you know, were able to score pretty efficiently uh, last year. And then, you know, even on the weekend in the third quarter when Coxie was out, we, we scored really efficiently then as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited by the opportunity. I wish, you know, I obviously wish Coxie was still there playing, but I'm excited to see what the new Ford dynamic can do. 
I reckon it's almost a blow you can absorb too because you got Will Hoskin Elliott plays above his head. Elliott plays above his head. Can mark overhead. Jory Degoe, we know, is one of the best one-on-one marking plays in the competition. So if you're going to have a hit somewhere, I almost reckon it's not that bad. However, now you can't afford Brody to go down go down either because otherwise you... Oh, yeah, then you, you literally don't have a Ruckman. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's obviously, as I said, it presents a problem, but, um, you know, that it's AFL and it in lies an opportunity for us to figure something out and create. We might stumble across something that we didn't even know we really had. So, um, you know, as you said, the, the dynamic down there is pretty explosive, one-on-one, high-flying, big markers. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we, we should be fine fine in that regard, yeah. Does Goldie get a go? Uh, yeah, well, I think if his He's form can stand up and he can keep playing good footy in the VFL, then sort of like last year, if he's ready and his form warrants it, he'll he'll find a way into to playing senior football. So, um, you know, I think the problem for for Goldie is sort of he was that fullback last year and, and, mm. and Jordan Roughhead's come in and, you know, I think rarely been beaten and would be, I don't know, would have to be in the discussion when he is an All-Australian potential for fullback. He's he's not been beaten all year. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably where Goldie's situation sits at the minute. Yeah, Harris Andrews from Brisbane will also be in that conversation. Um, you would think we're going to speak about Daniel Wells in a minute too, who's unbelievably back in the selection mix. Yeah, ten, uh, I think it was 10 weeks ago he did his... Thought he was dead. Yeah, did his PCL and everyone was like, that's done. And he's been training like really hard for a month. So he's actually got like work in and... Um, Does he look good? Does he look he's, like yeah. a bloke who could yeah, play he, senior footy yeah, this well, year? I think, I think the, the first step is getting through a VFL game and... Um, you can do all the training you want. All the players would say you can do all the training you want, but it's different when the game comes out and the ball's there, and you, you, ha- you know, you have to do all the things that you've trained to do. But it's actually, you know, in training, it's as much as you want to make it game like. You still know that you can take a liberty here or there, or you can feel your way through a movement. Whereas in a game, it just happens, and the competitive juices are flowing. So mm-hmm. exciting! If uh, if Wellesley can get up and, and get going, um, you know, then add him into our forward midfield mix. It's a Nick's an exciting guy and um, a guy who gets the footy and, you know, he showed that Sydney game. He played, I think he played a half a footy, kicked three and had 16 at half time in the wet yeah. and look, made it look like it was a dry game. So I think if you're a defender and you get Daniel Wells, you'll be pretty nervous. How's his conditioning? Yeah, it's fine. As I said, he's, the, I think the best thing about um, the knee injury coming is the last, like he's been able to get like a four-week really solid block, block. in. It's not like are you right to go? We've just thrown him back in four weeks ago. He's been progressing. You know, he's been doing a lot of running. Him and Steve have been doing the Super Sad Day sessions together and um, really trying to push each other. So, um, but yeah, you know, if his if his conditioning's at a level that's good enough to play AFL, we know the rest of what he can do. So, um, and as well as he likes to say, the ball moves faster than you can run. Yeah, and he can kick it as well as anyone in the competition. Hey, what are your thoughts on Adam Chalor? Is exceptional again the weekend in the win over at Gold Coast? And did you so? I saw a highlight, and I'd sort of just got back and was still quite jet lagged. But I'd see you sell some candy around some poor young Gold Coast defender, and then slot one on the left on the run and just wiggle the finger and just thought, "Yep, yeah. that's my thousandth uh, thousandth scalp." Join yeah. the list, cover. I uh, I happened to kick a goal. Um, I actually didn't know what I was – Tay gave it to me and I um, I seen – I think it was Billy out of the goal square maybe hitting fat side and I went to – I actually went to pull the kick to him and 
at the last second, the Gold Coast kid like literally like fell across my boot almost, like tried to dive. Yeah, I was lucky that I could just turn my hand underneath it and get it back. The ball was almost well, I, the ball was almost gone, and then um, yeah, I kicked and um, seen Brody Grundy at the top of fifty, and he was laughing in sight, <laughs> just sort of like I think he was like more like you got another person. So um, yeah, I, I've got a few, but I don't mean to. It just sort of happens out there naturally. But um, yeah, Adi Trelaw, he's in um. Yeah, yeah I, what do you say to the poor? What do you say to the poor little uh, nothing. like nothing? You just nah, just nothing. give him a little death there. Stand Mate, I'd, step, I'd step every player I could <laughs> if I could kick a goal on the end of it. So it's pretty fortunate Will Hoskin Elliott he outbodied his guy, but then tripped over himself and it bounced through. So <laughs> all the boys were pretty quick to remind me that it only went forty meters. Um, <laughs> uh, good. But yeah, and then uh, Adzi, as you were yeah, saying, I think yeah, I think um, I don't reckon. Just quickly, I don't reckon he's been seen as an elite player. Across yep. the competition, I reckon people see him as a hot, as an accumulator, a high ball winner. But I don't think people. I reckon the knock on him has been is he damaging yep. as a footballer. And yep. I just wonder over the past two months yep. that that conversation, to his credit, to his absolute credit, has changed. Yeah, well, I think um, before his hamstring injury last year when he did that double hammy, um, he was certainly um, internally, probably externally as well, rated as one of the better mids going around in the comp, and then. Um, yeah, we were playing really good football. He'd done his double hammy and um, the side sort of continued on its path of playing some pretty good footy. And then, you know, we were thrilled to get him back last year for the final series, but he was so, he was very underdone in the finals. You know, he's literally just got there in time and he still had a pretty good final series. And um, yeah, and then even this year, I think his really good block of form in the last six, eight weeks has coincided with us sort of being a little bit inconsistent and, and not playing as well. And when you're not playing that well, um, Externally, people don't really look at individual performances. They just come after the team. And it's a funny one because when we're playing really good football, they're very quick to highlight individuals that are playing well. But when you're losing as a team, they come after the team. So I think Ads's best footy has probably been in our toughest patch where we haven't been that consistent, but he has been super consistent. And um, yeah, I thought his game on the weekend was his... Yeah, for, for me out there with him was his best game for the year just with how damaging he was. And, um, you know, he still got the ball 30 times, I think, or whatever it was. But just his ability to be an 80-metre player, 90-metre player, you know, he was getting it, running, carrying. Um, you know, he got tagged after half time or probably after quarter time. And his ability to work for other players, you know, block around the stoppages, those type of things, you know, add to as his dimensions of not just having to be a ball getter he's you know he's very selfless in that regard the amount of blocking he did after quarter time to create two v1s and um yeah he's been he's been you know as you said in the last eight 12 weeks you know our most consistent midfielder and probably player in our squad wasn't in the top 10 of your best and fairest last year again with that double hamstring before that finished third 2017 and second in the best and fairest in 2016 he came for two um Two first round picks, I think, two number sevens, which is which is a, was a high price. It was how important was he as an addition from a holistic list perspective? Yeah, well, you could see even last year when he went down, how you know how much we had to adjust as a side him. to cover what he does. We don't have a player in our side who can do the things that he can do. So the run, the the run, but not only the run, the inside work that he can do. You know, he's one of the best clearance contested ball players in the comp. Mm. Um, but then he's got he's got the inside outside game. Um, you know, his kicking is, has really improved since he's come across. Um, he's going shorter. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's just the maturing process of understanding his game and what works. And, um, yeah, he looks more composed with the footy. He's, um, yeah, he's a, he's a bloody good player to play with too, because he, 
he works his tails, tail off. He's always trying to do the team thing. Um, you know, most most weeks on that um, on the Telstra tracker, he's you know in the top five for defensive running as well, which is mm. you know I did, a thing that I didn't know about him when he came across from the Giants. How hard he worked the other way as well. So mm. um, yeah, and as I said, he's he's building great form. It, you know, I've never had the injury of a double hamstring and having to have surgery, but I assume it would take a bit out of your confidence and take a while to get your legs back and type things yeah. like that. So. He's, he's hitting really good form at the right time and it's a scary proposition for opposition midfielders because you look at him now and it's a, it's a guy that you know you can't just sit on because he's an outside player. You've got to be able to put someone on him if you want that can stop him inside, but he'll get you on the outside as well. So good for us and good prob- um, and yeah, a problem for the opposition. Between rounds 14 to 20, he's second in the AFL for player ratings, second in disposals, average 36 touches, Fifth for contested possessions, average 16. Ninth for uncontested possessions. And fourth for clearances, which surprised me a little bit, with an average of eight a game. That's rounds 14 to 20. And he's now, I think, 70% of his kicks are now short, which yeah. is the fifth highest the top kick getters in the competition. Yeah. So that, to me, on the surface, says that he's trying to maybe more play to his strengths or his yeah. limits. Yeah. In, you know, he's not an amazing long kick, possibly. Yeah. So he's hitting up the shorter option 70% of the time. Yeah, well, I think he's... Um, I think it's just the, the what I see with him at the moment is a player with sort of almost complete confidence in what he's doing. So on the weekend, he was you know, hitting short kicks. He had two out of the centre where he run 30 metres and kicked it to Jamie Elliott one-on-one in the goal square. Kicked a nice goal from 55. So he's just making the right decision. Like, whether it's short or long, he knows what to execute and when to do it and... Mm. As I said, it's um those those numbers are pretty impressive. And as I said, you know, in the last six weeks we have struggled a bit as a side with our form. So as I said, no one's gonna be looking for individuals. You know, when when we win, they're very quick to go, Oh, how good was Dugowie or how good was Cybottom or Grundy or whatever it is, but you know, in the last it's last six weeks when we've been struggling, he's stood up the most. Yeah. He has been outstanding. I had I think Carlton is fascinating at the moment. Because they're in a real He's in an unenviable position. What are you laughing at, Cocker? Just, just the skip having a bit of a drink. Oh, that's just my straw, people. Bit a, it's a bit, bit a, too much talking. It's the finest Pellegrino here at the uh, George 162 Collins Street because, the, I mean, on one hand, Teague is doing great things, but then are they tempted by um, Michael Voss, clearly, and his experience, one of the best players, you know, the game's seen over the past uh, 30 years, clearly. But I saw them at the weekend. They were... Outstanding, I thought, for a good part of the game against West Coast. And it was only that they kept kicking it to McGovern in a way that probably hurt them. But their effort was their effort was brilliant, Scotty. And it's almost the question or the biggest hurdle for every team in the premiership race, Coco. And that is how do you go past how do you get past this West Coast roadblock? And that is Barras. And McGovern, and it's something that you guys yeah, we struggle we struggled have with struggled last with year. And, um, yeah, even in the game that we beat them this year, it's still a big focus of when you play them is how you get past him. Yeah, and Barras as well, who's really underrated. Um, yeah, and Rams Rance probably to lesser extent because they're over in the West. Everyone's just sort of you know Richmond's the flag favourites, and yeah, and I I get that. Like I think Richmond are a really good side, and they deserve to be up there, but to not include West Coast in that discussion. Have you still got West Coast ahead? I think they're neck and neck as yep. the two sides that everyone's trying to catch. Yep. Um, they're playing really good football. Um, you know, West Coast early in the year, 
even though they weren't playing great, they were still winning games of football, which is, you can see in the competition, it's, it's bloody hard to do to win every single week, whether you're on or not, to, to play that way. So, um, it How do you avoid him? How do you? Like, well, you because he's because always... He, he just positions where he thinks... The ball's going. The ball is. So he's pretty good at that. You know, even the game we played them, um, Brody Mycheck actually outmarked him a few times and kicked some goals on him. So that, that helped straight away that we could, you know, Checkers was on and because the past few times we played them, he'd been able to outmaneuver Checkers and take marks. And you know, then when he takes a mark, he's such a beautiful kick that he hits his kick and they're away. And um, yeah, so he's a, he's a defender. You've got to get through him. He positions so well. Um, if you're, as a forward, you get caught up the ground, he'll just let you go. Um, anytime you kick it long, and their, their heat around the ball and their forwards and mids put great pressure on that. Yeah. Allows him so to dump. so allows him to sit off a little bit and try and read the play. And Barras as well, Hearn, they all do it really well. They all cover for each other really well. So Richmond play West Coast next week, I think. Yep, is it at the G? So that will be to me that's sort Lynch. of fascinating because Lynch, Rewalt v McGovern. Yeah, well, we I think it will be Barras, Lynch, and then McGovern maybe Rewalt. Yeah, but. Yeah, as I said, McGovern will look to just do his thing and get off and intercept and help. And, you know, it's going to be a side who wants to get the ball and then take kick mark and work out the field and not be pressured versus a side who wants the game mm. live and, you know, scrap it forward, knock it on, do whatever you got to do to keep the game in transition. So fascinating battle. At the G makes it even that more interesting, I reckon, of how the game's going to be played. Is it as simple as trying to hit up his man? Is, do you just play through his opponent? Who yeah, but it's very hard to do that. Forty fives. It's because um, you hear I hear the commentary around you know just play through his guy, but it's not. And this is no disrespect to past eras, but it's not that era anymore where it's one on one everywhere. And um, you know, once the ball gets out of the forward line, all the forwards are still in the fifty, and you can you know you get the ball and there's only six people you can kick it through, and the forward just leads up and you just hit him nicely. <laughs> and there's team defense now, so everyone gets back behind the ball and yeah, it'll, like you know. Say for us, if Checkers was to say lead up the middle of the ground, you know, McGovern probably just hands over to a midfielder and then Checkers is out of position. Whereas, you know, in 1980 or whatever it is, it's like, you know, you literally probably had, if you're let, man led right up the middle of the ground, you could kick it to him because there's space in front and all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think with, yeah, with McGovern, it's, you, you always know where he is. He's always going to be in your eyesight. So as soon as you look up, you know he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And he's such a smart player that he positions himself really well. So, um, you know, the Carlton game on the weekend, I think, you know, Carlton are trying to figure something out with their forward mix at the moment because they probably don't have their, you know, Mackay, Kernow yeah. uh, aren't playing, which are their two f- probably, oh, McGovern as well, his brother. So there's three key position players. Block. So, um, you know, I think he played to spend a bit of time on, on Kennedy, who's really a midfielder who's only gone forward the last six weeks. So they're trying to figure things out. And he, he got a favourable matchup for him that's just playing on a, a guy that's undersized and then he's got strength and that sort of stuff over. So, um, But, yeah, be, he's, a, he's a really good player. And as you said, he's the biggest roadblock. If, to get through West Coast, you have yep. to get through their back line. Um, which is, over there. Over there, it looks like, doesn't it? Because where are they, second? Yeah, top two. Yeah, so it looks like you're going to have to go over there and knock them off. So. Third, yeah. I think they are. I'm gonna ask it's, you tight. Both. it's a tight race. If Chris Judd came I'm going to ask you both here. If Chris Judd came up to you, said, that, just pretend the season's finished, right? Who, who, if the season's finished today, who are you giving the senior coaching job to, Coco? I don't see why you wouldn't go against Teague. Like, what order do you put it in? And if you're trying to minimise risk... 
why is Voss? How is Voss proven? He coached. He got the sack. Now he's been an assistant at Port Adelaide, who who have underperformed. Yeah, and Teague's been around. Like it's not like he hasn't been around. It's just an issue of giving these guys that go from club to club as an assistant coach a go, which the industry seems to have a real issue with giving someone new a go because they're trying to manage stakeholder expectations. So, Coco, you're on the Teague train? Yeah, with, with, with all of the Carlton supporters. Yeah, and all the Carlton players. Scotty, um, what do you reckon? He says, we got to make I, a call. Like, um, from what you've seen. Yeah, from, from what I've seen, clearly there. As I said, when he, when he picked up that job of Carlton, obviously to get to that point, you feel like the club's at its lowest point to get that. And his turnaround, I think he's, what, five... Five from eight, is he? Yep. Um, and all the two games they lost was by under a goal, and then they lost by twenty four points to West Coast. So, um, and I, th- I don't know, maybe this could be wrong, but I heard they wanted a more offensive minded mm-hmm. coach. They wanted it to be a high scoring, expansive side. Their numbers are off the charts for offensive football and how they score, how they transition to the ball. So, yeah, if you were just to He's look ticking at ticking boxes, yeah, if you were just to look at the numbers and be like, if we could bring over a coach who could do this, this, and this for us, yes. Would we do it? They'll do that in a heartbeat. But then for some reason it seems like there's, I don't know, maybe he doesn't have a big enough profile or they wanted something else or that's, this is me just reading from what I hear, which is probably like, which would be uneducated, but from what I hear is, but then I also like the Michael Voss. So if he was to get it, I like that angle because I think our industry doesn't give people enough second chances. It's you get one turn, you don't make it, you're done. Some of the best coaches in the world have had one crack. They failed. You hear about even in business in Silicon Valley that it's almost a red mark against your name if you haven't had a failure yet mm. before you get big investment into your business or whatever you do over there. So it's a just, different attitude. Yeah, which is yeah. So either either story I, I like, but I think at the moment Teague would be winning the race. So who do you see as a bigger risk, or are they the same? And and if they're trying to uh, look after a key stakeholder. It's clearly not the fans because the fans are with Teague. So who are they trying to cater to? The two biggest – will you answer? Who do you think the two biggest, Jay, (laughs) key stakeholders are in a whole football club? Players and fans. That was was my two. Well done. Ah, yes. I thought you were going to say media and fans. Oh, media. (laughs) So both of them are for Teague. So what's – What's the issue? Well, I but there is also the the clear fact that the players are so wrapped up in the different environment that Teague's created and the the different game style that you know any change is as good as a holiday. So they're only but they're comparing it strictly to Bolton, and in a way, it's really condemning, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, there's all these changes. They're more offensive. It's a different environment, potentially more positive environment, and the players are absolutely embracing that and relishing that and I think it's just a really really insightful into what's happened over the, the past few years so from the from the uh, exec point of view you know they've they've got a way up that sort of well maybe anything was better than what happened there's nothing wrong with taking their time like it I get everyone wants them to be yeah. like make the decision now Teague's going so well like Teague's going to be just as happy if he gets the job in December as if he gets it right now so they should take their time. They should make the best, most educated, informed decision they can that they think for the next five, ten years they've got the coach that they need. They can't just do it. They can, In exact yeah, science. Yeah. Still so uncertain. Oh, How would never you know? know. This got, is notes for your future uh, career in coaching, absolutely. mate. Think, well, things for your PowerPoint absolutely. presentation. Become a caretaker coach is one of the things I've added because it seems like <laughs> if you become a caretaker coach, you're halfway there. 
Unless you really crash and burn and win one from eight, and then you. Oh no! How's the next caretaker coach that gets a gig and doesn't <laughs> yeah. win a few games or something? Have you seen as a shambles? But. What's great is that Brett Ratton uh, is really impressing in the St Kilda role. Really yeah. warm guy, and yeah. you get that vibe from people, don't you? Sometimes, like you know, coaches are often so grumpy, and you know, it can be can be a bit foreboding and not necessarily. Well, Bolton was the caretaker, wasn't he? At Hawthorn, Clarkson got sick and. Certainly was so bubbly and different that guy, there. but he's he was also thrown the you're rebuilding this club from scratch, you're trading players, you're bringing yeah. in draft picks. Like, yeah, he, yeah, I don't think it's as damning as everyone says for him because he's done a lot of work with that group and defensively they still stack up pretty well, which has allows allowed them to score pretty heavily now, but their defensive stuff's still pretty good. And I know playing against them, they were they were pretty well drilled. Um, they were just so young and they would have good quarters and Still stuff young. like that. So, Same yeah. team. Yeah, similar team, but they've just added a bit more of a scoring punch. But um, you hear the Carlton players, some of the players that I've spoke to, even Crips and that, that we've had on here, a lot of the work that Bolton's done, they feel like it's in the right path. They've just grabbed them and probably loosened up the grips a bit more. You said that they don't need to rush. Juddy kind of rushed in... Riding off Teague in the first place. Leave Juddy, mate. Training wheels. No. Training wheels, Juddy. He didn't mean that. He was Give just Teague slip a of the tongue. Yeah, slip of the tongue. That wasn't reference to Teague. It I was think. malicious. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> leave, mate, leave our man Juddy out. Hey, um, can you read your notes, he is, can you? He has become the Sometimes. front man for it, hasn't he? Juddy. It's like, will Chris Judd pick yeah. this guy? It's like there's a panel. Yeah. It's not yeah. Juddy just walking in. He, going, has, oh, he has become the, the right face guy. of it. He's the face of it. It's a difficult line sometimes to straddle being the. I wonder if. Patrick Cripps would have a say, or the club leadership group. Well, because they are the, like, they are, as you said before, and I agree, one of the two most important key stakeholders. They are the main deal with Teague every day. They don't just sit there on a Saturday in the stands and watch and visually go, oh, this looks nice, this looks pretty. If they, I would think they would be asking for his input. Well, and... They would want to keep him happy, wouldn't they? Yes, they certainly would. That brings up that, – that is a great question. Yes. Young yeah. Scott, my young friend. Good because <clears throat> when Nathan Buckley was under the pump, did the club go to you Jay, and right. ask you your opinion? Because that will, that will provide the answer. You said, should Carlton they ask did. Patrick Cripps? Did Collingwood ask Scott they Pendlebury? Did. They did. And, and I couldn't have been any more glowing in my endorsement that I thought Bucks was the right man. So you say Bucks. No, no, I was asked though. And I think our whole football club in that period did a expansive review yep. and they included all their key stakeholders. So is that a general question? representative of the playing group. So how long asked, does that chat take? Oh, I would have liked it to be been over a dinner at Rockpool. It's house, yeah. Could have been at Rockpool or something like that. It would have been nice if it was. Glass house unfortunately, cafe it was a, Unfortunately, it was a coffee. Um <laughs> No, it was just part of what we did was So who was the there? No, I can't tell you. Oh, well, it's Jeff or Eddie or no, the, well, the acting set, Pete Murphy. You want to it, was part of the, it was part of the review. And more, more players than me were asked, but it just it's comforting to know that the football club goes to the players and values your opinion on what you think is best and why. And it was a part of the whole – and Bucks was a part of it, some, some of the questioning, and it was also about – how the football club runs, what do we think we can do better? Is this something that you think as a playing group you're not getting? It wasn't my opinion. It was 
as captain and part of the leadership group, what do you think the group needs to mm-hmm. perform the best? Because ultimately our club was, what can we do for you guys to perform the best? Yeah. It and wasn't about, uh, you know, Bucks is a really nice guy and we want to keep him because he's, you know, he, he does this for everyone or blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's a ruthless organization. It's mm-hmm. a ruthless business. Are we giving everyone the best chance to succeed? And yeah, we made so, the right call. So how honest were you in that? In that moment, I mean that that is a well, that like, is a big question yeah. because you got a personal friendship um, yeah. with Nathan, and yeah. you don't want to let him down. You're heavily invested in him; he's heavily invested in you. But so Eddie or Pete Murphy or Jeff Walsh or whatever come and say, Scott, what do you honestly think? This is yeah. going to stay between us. I mean, and, and you're going to have to be positive and negative. But Bucks yeah. isn't perfect. No it one's has perfect. To stay between us. <laughs> well, um, well, no. it, well, yeah, well the, yeah, it did. It did, and um, I would have been doing our football club a disservice if I wasn't honest. I would like to think that if I felt like Bucks wasn't the right person or had lost the group, I would have been man enough to say. Yep. But in my heart of hearts, I yeah. actually believed and I know that he is the right person and I like, just backed him in so much. I believed he had the full support of the playing group. The guys loved him yep. and I felt we weren't too far away and um, – yeah, they, that was just our recommendation as players. And but it is, also on, that. it is also on record, and good call by you, but it's also on record that he needed more support yeah. and that, you know, whether it was Maxi or um, a more stable football manager because there had been a lot of changes. Yeah. That yeah, I was think a, in that three-year period we had, yeah, oh, I think Gubby, like, Gubby, Rocket was coaches, the coach or something, then he left, and then we had Barmy, then we had... Yeah. Uh, now we've had Walsh, who's been there for a long time. Our coaching panel's been the same now for a while. Yeah. Um, got Mark Anderson in from Swimming Australia. Yeah. So, a really good team of support. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And you, so, so, you felt those issues, the feedback you gave was addressed. I felt the feedback that we gave yeah. was part of yeah. feedback that come from everywhere yeah. that endorsed. Would have the changes all been. we wanted to make. However, your training ground, from everything I can understand, is still too hard. You haven't fixed that yet. I have no idea what that means, too hard. Like I, I'm going to go get the penetrometer and I test that. I played basketball that. for... It's like cement. <laughs> I played basketball for my whole life before playing AFL. Oh, did you? So, we haven't heard about that. Well, do some research. <laughs> so I played on a hardwood for from 5 to 18. Yep. So I haven't had a soft tissue. Tough You're okay. wood. No complaints with the training surface. <laughs> it is built on a tunnel or a cement, yeah. so there is a... The Burnley Tunnel's underneath it. Could be what? worse. We jest. Do we train have... in a pretty good location. Hang on a sec, Coco. Last one on this before we move on, right? So your feedback was um, clearly taken into account and you feel... I'd like to think so, Joe. Well, I would imagine you'd have... I couldn't think, to be honest, to be fair, your advice was your um, information would be as valuable as anyone's because you know Buck's strengths and weaknesses as good as anyone, as much as he knows your strengths and weaknesses, clearly. So just say Chris Judd goes to Patrick Cripps, asks the same question, and they have a coffee or a Wagyu steak at Rockpool, or no, they probably come here to the George and have a bit of a chat, to be honest, 162 Collins Street. And, good. Yeah. And yeah, the sticky pork, boys. <laughs> but okay, how, how would you feel then if Cripper says, Teague's the man, said the same things as you, we just need A, B and C to go with him, but he's the, he's the man for us. What if they go... No, we're going to go with Voss. How do you, how do you, would you feel in that position? Yeah. No, well, I, I think that tricky. As Another good question. It's almost like so. Even in a smaller sample size, the amount of conversations that the leadership group and the coaching staff have together. Yeah. And we might suggest things, and they suggest things. It's like 
ultimately we know that these things are decided at a higher power, but we can still put forward our ideas. Mm. And even as a club leadership group, the five of us, we might disagree on things and we walk out and we're going, we're going this way. Yep. And we need to be united and everyone needs to get on board. Even yep. if you don't think that's what we need to do, this is what we're doing. Yep. And then we all, you all get on board, you all walk that line. So I think if, if Cripper said like, this is what we want to do, blah, 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 and they didn't do it, there'd obviously be the phone call of like, this is what we're doing, this is why. Do you understand? Yep, yep, all right, let's go. So, um, but I, I'm guessing that if Cripper said, mm. this is what we need to do, I'm thinking that would find a way to being pretty strong. At our Herald Sun um, football meeting this morning, I had an idea which was completely rejected and hit that out of the park. And, hey, that would have been a hoot. Oh, mate, they're, they're very what enter- happens at those meetings? They're very entertaining. We all sit around, thrash out a few ideas, you know, give a few views, talk about what stories we're going to write, what newsy stuff, what um, what sort of feature stories we might be doing, talk about who we who's playing well, who might do an interview. Who the jury's out? Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, but I had an idea which was sent straight back over my head, and that happens from time to time. Any, any, um, any of your ideas that you can enlighten us on, which was sort of knocked out of the park? Any sort of your light, light bulb moments, which was sort of totally disregarded? That you can- um, oh, there'd be plenty. I think about footy like a lot, like ideas, little schemes, um, tactics, stuff you could try and implement. I reckon 80% of them I don't even take to bucks because <laughs> <laughs> I just get hit for six. What about manipulating the rules? I think you like oh, to yes. find a good little manipulation. That was a good one. I like that one. Actually, so there's like a, there was a little quirk in the rules that said at centre bounce, when the umpire goes to walk in mm-hmm. for the bounce, yep. as he steps in, not the ball's bounced, you can start running the square. What do you mean running the square? So, you know, if you're on the wing yep. and the ball the umpire goes to walk in, you can run so it's like you're coming off the back of the square. Gotcha, yep. So we did that against West Coast and yep. we thought it was this, like, really good tactic yep. to use. And the first two centre bounces, they won and just kicked it straight out to the free winger. <laughs> <laughs> Got the ball. So, yeah, felt good. Like, I was on the square, ready to go. The umpire walked. I sprinted across the square, come in the back. Matt knew he'd assure you, sure you just turned straight to gaff. Inside 50 goal. Sounded good at the time. Uh, well, mate, it did look good on the diagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what else might not have been a great decision. Your, your faith and, and, uh, and call to buy tickets to the USA versus Australia basketball game. Um, Lucky I didn't buy them. I did, oh, oh, of course. Yeah, nice little free. But I'm still going. Are you? Are you really? Yeah, I'm going. I think the tickets yeah. are going pretty cheap these days. Yeah. There's I think a lot Landry Schmidt is playing. You know, Landry, I think he actually pulled out. There's a lot of... Bam Adebayo. Yeah. There's a lot of boys at our club that have tickets that are absolutely filthy. That They're trying to sell them. Yeah. They don't want to go. The only benefit of this is, is the people who scalp tickets and try and profit off other people's vulnerability, sporting You're not vulnerabilities. You're going to do it now because the ticket that everyone paid for when the teams were announced was like premium. Like you've got max level guys coming out to play. Yeah. Now you've got like... But there's people who bought bulk... To sell to to fiends like you and I, basketball fiends, and they're not worth they're not worth Nothing. jack anymore. Nah. No. I would say you give them away. They'd be eighty percent of the value you paid for them. Would be worth eighty percent less now. So it'd be worth twenty percent. Yeah, like it's <laughs> seriously like. Good one. So if you were paying say a thousand bucks a ticket because you thought Le- LeBron was coming, which yeah. is stupid if you ever thought he was coming. Correct. Yeah. Say LeBron was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal. No. No. Shocking. But I do think the games are still going to be good. I think the games will be good because Australia win, surely. I think Australia will win, but the game will be good because like these 
the guys in the NBA, all guys are good players. It's just on your team or whatever, you mightn't have the chance to shine. So yep. they're bringing out guys who can seriously play. But, yeah, it's hard. Like, they'll probably pull out as well. Like, we've I like got, the we've NBA. We've got close to our full strength side in. Yeah. Ben Simmons not playing, but he didn't play in the Olympics. Yep. So, yeah, it's, um, it's disappointing, but I'll still be there. I like the NBA, but there was one bloke who rejected the invite the other day who I genuinely never heard of. Who was it? Um, like the, the, the Adebayo man. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah, he played? M- Miami or something? Yeah, oh, I, I genuinely never heard of him. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen someone like knocked it back, and I was like, sure, he didn't even get invited. Yeah. They're good players, but like when you look at Team USA, you're thinking, yeah. Like, all it would have taken was one of Harden. Yeah, anyone. Anthony Davis, LeBron, Curry, someone like that, one of them to come, and the Everyone would have been pumped. Yeah. There is Kemba Walker is probably the most one. recognizable yeah. player. Walker, yeah. Yeah. So he's a max level guy, plays for Boston yeah. now. New Celtic man. He'll be he'll be unreal to watch. All right, we're gonna wrap up. Just quickly before we leave. Um the eight. You guys aren't the what? The top eight. Yes. Try and finish in the top eight. Yes. Playing the finals. Is that what Correct. you're trying to do? <laughs> yes. That's the name of the game. He, he thinks about football all the time. He doesn't know what the top eight is. Amazing. <laughs> Adelaide's currently eighth. They play West Coast, Collingwood, Western Bulldogs. Yep. And Port Adelaide's chasing him down. Look like the team most likely to come in the eight. They play Sydney, North Melbourne and Fremantle. Yep. But they're a game outside eight. Who do you think clinches that eighth spot? Because I reckon Adelaide, I'll say again, they play West Coast. I reckon they lose that. They play you guys over there. Yep. which is going to be a big game and a tough game. And then the Bulldogs in Ballarat. I think they lose that. So I can Adelaide win one out of the three. Yeah, so that's what you were oh, saying. Hang on. So you are really saying they were going to beat us? No, hang on. Nice. <laughs> Zero yeah. out of three. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Can't be biased all the time. Um, and so they Port- make it winning no games. That's well, I reckon they win one of the Collingwood versus Western so Bulldogs So Port need to win two of their last three. Yep. Is that right? And have a better percentage. Yep. Um, and they've got Sydney. They win that at home. North Melbourne, I reckon they win that, although it'd be tough. And Fremantle, I think that's so at home as well. you them winning three. Two, yeah. So yes. what do you reckon? Well, that's what you've <laughs> got. I've just done it. Well, they will make the finals. Your maths really dropped off there. Well, I think, anyway. <laughs> well, based on your <laughs> mathematics, yeah. it seems like Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide will be one game clear, so therefore yeah. they will finish eighth. That's what I reckon. Yeah. I'm well, that's going to be relevant because you blokes that. are currently in fifth and you could get one of these inconsistent Adelaide teams. Yeah. So we'll put this in the time capsule and we'll come back to it. Absolutely. That I, reckon, I reckon Port's in. We can't <laughs> wait to do this again next week. I also <laughs> think Nat Fife's winning the Brownlow medal. That was good. What do you think? I think Nat Fife's going to win the Brownlow. <laughs> Anything else you want to just throw in last second? It's just on my little notepad. I come back from these holidays, I mate, think and I get enthusiastic. Lockie Neal win the Brownlow medal. All right. Ooh, Should we have a head. nice bottle of red on that? Yep. That who will finish higher out of five and can we shake Ooh. hands? Yeah. Oh, I'm witnessing oh. it. Oh, Jesus, it's a stretch. Uh, still got Jesus. that dodgy looking brace on your left. Yeah, When's that going to be good? Soon, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> didn't hurt your selling candy ability at the weekend. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you blokes have been happy to have me back. That's Absolutely. Good. It was yeah, great. Keep, keep bringing that content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, thank you for listening or putting up with us, probably, on the Jock and Journo show. Interesting insights back into those very powerful conversations you had with the big dogs in 2000, whenever was it, 2017, in helping keep Nathan Buckley. Um, we will join, we will see you, talk to you next week <laughs> on the Jock and Journo show. Thanks for joining us. Thank Good you. luck on Saturday. Thanks, Scotty. Cheers. Bye, Cocker. Thank you.